Welcome everyone to the chat. I'm coming to you from the beautiful city of Columbus, Indiana. My name is Nida Evans and I'm the host for the chat. It airs each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock on radio station WYGS. The chat is also available on Google, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. My guest for the chat today is Jenny Taylor. Jenny is an elementary teacher for the Bartholomew County School Corporation, a substitute teaching leader for Bible Study Fellowship, and a pastor's wife. We'll be right back with the chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat, for the Savior is near. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out, out of the boat, for the Savior is near. My chat today is with Jenny Taylor. Jenny is an elementary teacher for the Bartholomew County School Corporation, a substitute teaching leader for Bible Study Fellowship, and a pastor's wife. Boy, that's a mouthful, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the chat. Thank you. What a privilege and a joy it is to be here. Will you tell us about your family? All right. Well, as you said, I am a pastor's wife. Um, I am married to my husband for 21 years. We just celebrated our 21st anniversary. We have two children. We have a son who is 17. He'll be a senior this year. And we have a daughter who is going to be a freshman this year. She's 14. Aside from all of our extended family, that's kind of our core. Oh, I guess I should mention, you know, we have some animals, little fur babies at home too. <laughs> um, and so uh, they bring us a lot of joy. So. Will you tell us about your work? Well, I am a teacher. I've been a teacher. This will be my 25th year teaching. I have taught Parkside Elementary for the entirety of that time. I have taught kindergarten, and I'm currently teaching second grade. It's just a joy and a privilege to be a part of these young people's lives in a culture that's changing so much. So just to be able to love on these kids and bring light and life to the classroom and community. Now, you're also a BSF teaching leader. Tell us about that. Well, I have the privilege of being a substitute teaching leader for uh, Bible Study Fellowship, and that is probably um, just a fantastic role because the full weight of the teaching is not on me. <laughs> um, so I only give lectures maybe five times during the school year. Um, our, our study follows the calendar year of the school, and so it has just been such a blessing to be a part of a group of women who love the Lord with all of their hearts and who love his word and who are focused on growing their connection with God within the truth of who he is as spoken and revealed in the word. You're also a pastor's wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is such a, it's a very unique experience. When I was young, maybe 16, I remember writing out a list of all of the things that I was looking for in a husband. And I was specific too, you know, <laughs> including, of course, you know, the kindness and faithful to God and love Jesus more than me, even down to eye color and that he would play <laughs> guitar, right? And so when I met my husband, 
Well, I will just say that when we got married, he was not a pastor. He was in the information, the computer business, working in IT. And I kind of questioned that. He does play guitar, and he matched every other attribute that I was looking for in a husband. And then, I don't know, maybe a couple of years into our marriage, he went to a walk to Emmaus, and he came home from this experience this weekend, and he said, I'm really nervous to tell you this, but I feel God's call on my life to be a pastor. And that actually had been something that I had thought as a high school student, I feel like I'm going to marry a pastor. He wasn't a pastor when I married him. So when he came to me and said that, I said, well, of course you are. That makes total sense. I, you know, the Lord had prepared me for that in high school. Now, the actual living out of being a pastor's family is it's unique. It's it's full of ups, absolute mountaintop experiences as we minister to people, but also some difficult times as well, not just with church members who struggle, but also just the weight, the burden of shepherding in that arena. So. Well, you know, the, God does want us to be specific when we pray. I, <laughs> so. I was, I was um, kind of yeah, I was very specific in those things, and God was faithful to provide what I needed, what I needed. Will you tell us about your testimony? When did you come to know Christ? Well, let me tell you, I did grow up in a Christian home. You know, that's kind of the stereotypical thing that people say as they begin uh, talking about their testimony, and I did. I grew up in a home where the Lord was was honored. We were in the church building just about every time the doors were open, but not just that. My parents, when I, um, I specifically recall seeing my mom in prayer early morning, leaning hands on her knees into the recliner, praying over, I don't know what, I just saw her in the darkness praying. I remember her and my dad both being active in Bible study. You know, they'd have things spread out on the kitchen table as they as they worked, my dad would have his commentaries and different things by his recliner. I grew up knowing that Christianity was more than just going to church, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it was a commitment, an intentional relationship. And so when I was about eight years old, um, I had a Sunday school teacher that committed suicide. Mm. Um, and that mm. really... I didn't understand it, of course. An eight-year-old wouldn't understand something like that. But it deeply hurt, and it affected my view of, I don't know. I just, I couldn't imagine how a person could come to a place in their lives where they just didn't believe that they could live any longer. And so it was through the turmoil of that and all of the questions that that incident brought about in my life that I felt God calling me to dedicate my whole life to him. And so, you know, at that, as much as an eight-year-old can, at that time I was baptized. I knew that Jesus was my savior, um, all of those things. But I, I would say that it wasn't until as I began to live out that faith, maybe in my junior high, senior high years of high school, That is when the Lord really planted deeply inside of me a desire to serve him, a desire to know him better. And that can only come from him, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. left to myself, I would would not seek him, but he sought me. I was able to respond 
praise be to God, right? Has he given you a passion for anything? What happens, as you know, is that once we come to know Christ, he puts a special interest in us, Mm -hmm. something that we really like to do. Has he done that for you? Oh, yeah. I I love music. We love um, to share music with one another. Um, We... um, love instrumentation. We loved um, playing instruments. We have, um, we sing together and we've done this even at the church. But I would say another passion that I have um, is connection. That idea of connecting, connecting with God personally and connecting with others in relationship. I feel like that's where God does his work best is when we're in relationship with him and then in relationship with one another. And then I have a desire for others to be connected with God and for others to be connected with one another. And I think that's probably what drives me in um, working to lead wor- uh, worship is um, desiring that others have an authentic interaction with the Lord and worshiping through song. And in my teaching and Bible study fellowship or facilitating a small group or you know whatever that might be, because I desire for for other people to encounter the Lord, to grow in relationship with him and with each other, because we we need each other. We were built for a community designed for that. And I do believe that that is where we um, see Jesus' love living out in each one of us. The chat has a theme song called Stepping Out. And what it's about is God wanting uh, each of us to have a time where he wants to grow our faith Mm -hmm. and he wants us to step out of the boat and trust him. Mm -hmm. Has he done that in your life? Mm, Many times, many times. One time in particular that really just kind of rises to the surface for me is after my husband had been called into ministry and we had worked together in in several uh, different churches, we landed in a a church in our community where we found relationship, people that we could do life with. I loved being a part of the music there. It was just the worship was very meaningful and exciting. And we were reaching people in very practical ways through small groups. And it was just a really fruitful, exciting time. Well, during that time, my husband was Um, approached by a church in a different community and asked um, if he would be interested in meeting with them and hearing about this ministry opportunity. So we met with them. And afterwards, I said, to, I said to my husband, I was, you know, we're really in a good place where we are. You know, I'm not sure that God is calling us out yet. Maybe we really need to consider staying. And so what happened was basically I encouraged him to say no. And what followed after that, so that was my boat opportunity to step out of the boat. And I didn't, I, I sat and held the oars tightly. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that that began a season of spiritual dryness in my life. And even in our ministry together, he ended up being, um, he was kind of a bivocational, um, in a bivocational situation, lost his secular job my husband did. And then we just were floating aimlessly, right? Not sure where God was calling us, not feeling like we had a place. We were without a ministry situation. We were without, he was without a steady paycheck. This went on for a a couple of years and we were right to the edge of bankruptcy, right to the edge of having to sell our home and move somewhere else. And 
I went and worked at a walk to Emmaus. And during that weekend, there was an opportunity to just kind of lay, to lay things down at the, at the foot of Jesus. And so I, I specifically remember kneeling and, and just telling the Lord, I'm so sorry that I said no. I should never have said no. I promise you, Lord, that I will never say no again in the face of what you're calling us to do. I will not be the obstacle that stands in the way of what you're going to do in our lives, in our ministry, in our marriage. And when I got up, I felt that weight lifted. And within five minutes, we were, I should say, after that little opportunity that we had, we everybody got together to go into lunch. One of the pastors there approached me and said, you know, Jenny, um, I, we have a ministry opportunity for you. I am preaching at a church out in a different community, and we would like for you and Harvey to consider coming and helping us lead worship. We're without worship leaders. I mean, not five minutes, <laughs> really, after making that confession, it was a solitary confession. It wasn't something that I said out loud for someone else to hear. This was just me and the Lord. And God was so faithful. And we went and that opened up the path of different ministries from that point to today. Um, and so that really just that experience taught me. Our motto now is kind of, you know, the need is the call. So we are excited for opportunities that God has for us to minister to others, wherever God calls. Let's chat about your prayer life. Do you have a place in particular, a special place where you go to each day to talk with him? Mm -hmm. Most of us do, but a lot of us actually, we pray in different places. What mm -hmm. about Jenny Taylor? Mm -hmm. Well, as I said, you know, I have this very vivid memory of um, coming down the hallway early in the morning and seeing my mom um, kneeling by the same chair and praying for a long period of time. And I don't know what she said. I assume what she was praying about. But And so I think in my mind, I had that visual of the way prayer was supposed to be. And so I, I think I have felt inadequate in that area of my life because I haven't found a specific place where I go to the Lord in prayer that doesn't mean that I don't talk to God. I do talk to God. I have been blessed this last seven years. We have lived about 25 minutes away from Parkside, where I teach. And so every morning and every afternoon, I have 25 minutes of quiet in my car. And so that um, has provided opportunities for me to spend um, very intentional time in prayer over my family, over our church, husband, circumstances that we're facing. And so we, we are, that has been a great thing for me to have. Um, and then of course, just the moment to moment arrow prayers, you know, I find myself saying, okay, Lord, help me with this sometimes very mundane task or, um, something will happen um, as I'm going about my day and I narrowly escape falling down or, you know, and I'll say, oh, thank you, Lord, so much for protecting me in that moment. Help me with these words. What am I going to say? And so I would say I don't have a specific place, time or place other than my car, but I do speak 
daily with the Lord and throughout the day. I'm enjoying our chat, Jenny. We've got to take a break. Okay. We'll be right back with the chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat. For the Savior is near. I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out, out of the boat. We're back with the chat, and we're chatting with Jenny Taylor today. Jenny, as we were just talking about your prayer life, I'd like to ask you, are what are two prayers, or one, mm-hmm. <laughs> whichever you decide, that you pray specifically for yourself? Because we all pray for ourselves throughout the day. What about you? I pray often um, over my role in so many different roles, the role of mother, the role of wife, the role of teacher, Bible study leader, uh, you know, whatever that might be. But I'm always praying that God would enable and empower me to do what he's called me to do in spite of my shortcomings, in spite of my feelings of inadequacy, that he would work through, work past those and through those, that my life would be pleasing to him in the things that I do in all of those roles. Has God ever disappointed you? Maybe you thought he should answer a prayer in a certain way or a time you prayed and you didn't get what you wanted him from him? Yes, um, I prayed a very specific prayer for one of my children to meet a, a godly friend in school. She did not meet that friend and still has not met that one godly person who loves her for who she is, encourages her to be best, loves her for who she is, but challenges her through their friendship to be um, who God is calling her to be. And I have since just been so sad about that. You know, why, Lord, why, Lord, haven't you given her a good friend? Don't you want her to have that experience? But in that, I have come to discover that I have to trust God in the sanctifying process that he is doing in my kids. Um, and that is a really hard place to be as a mom. I really like to micromanage and I want to, um, I want to have my fingers in all of these different things and that their lives would, you know, that they would experience God and that they would love him. They would serve him in just these ways, you know, and, and that is not, that is not my call as a mom. Uh, my call as a mom is to give them my children to the Lord and to trust him to do what he knows is best for them and for the plan and the purpose he has for their lives. And so I don't know what God is doing in that, but I'm trusting that he has a good and perfect plan for my children in spite of, you know, whether or not he answers my prayers in a certain way. I know that God has blessed you in many ways throughout your life. Will you tell us one of those blessings? How do you narrow it down to just one? (laughs) When I think about the blessings in my life. I think I keep coming back to God's word. I'm so grateful for God's word and for his Holy Spirit. I have a lot of chaotic thoughts and maybe there are listeners who do as well. And um, God's word anchors me. It speaks truth over my life when I don't know what truth is, when I'm in those moments where I'm very anxious or um, uncertain. I can go back to God's word and I can see the truth written um, down in black and white. And then the Holy Spirit who um, comes alongside brings me comfort. 
helps me to apply what it is that I'm reading to the circumstances that I'm facing. And so I would have to say that that really, those Mm. are the biggest blessings for me is having God's word in print or on my phone as it would be to refer back to, to be anchored to, and then the Holy Spirit who um, enables me to understand and apply what it is that I'm reading. You know, Jenny, I think that's one of the biggest blessings mm-hmm. for all of us mm-hmm. is God's word. Yeah. Will you tell us about your devotion time? What does it consist of? What do you do? I was joking with someone the other day about me singing, you know, mm-hmm. singing mm-hmm. during my devotion time. And of course, no one else can he- hear me. And a lot of times I'm praying in my closet anyway and having that special time. What about you? What does your devotion time consist of? First thing in the morning, um, I am one of those people that um, I open my eyes and (laughs) I wish I could say my first thought is Jesus, but I will say that my very first thought is coffee. (laughs) So I jump up out of the bed. uh, Rarely do I hit the snooze. I jump up out of bed. I grab my coffee. I sit on the couch and I pull up an app that I have um, discovered uh, uh, recently Um, Because, you you know, when you're doing something, a a devotion or whatever on my phone, I don't have to have the lights on. I can just kind of sit in the darkness a bit and still be able to read. And so this app is called Glorify. It's a free app. And in that, I am able to read um, a scripture and then read through a devotional application of that scripture. And then it has this wonderful component where you um, are guided through a prayer in... um, connection with what we what I've read in that devotion time. And so that is kind of a morning routine. And then um, I do love worship music. I listen to music in the car. Sometimes I'm very, it's silent in my car. I hear a lot of noise, you know, as a teacher um, of elementary school kids. So oh, I really? do, oh my, so <laughs> I do like my silent time um, in the car, <laughs> uh, but I do love to worship using um, music. And then in the evenings, typically I head to the bedroom before any of my family might go to bed um, and spend that time in Bible study. Typically through the school year, it's through what we're learning in Bible study fellowship. And so I'll work on that study in preparation for um, the leadership time. I'm curious, of the nine fruits of the Spirit, if you were rating yourself, which one would you rate yourself the highest in? Gosh, that feels like tooting my own horn, and I don't <laughs> like that at all. No, but I, I um, gentleness probably. I, I um, tend to err on the side of um, compassion and gentleness. I would love to be more patient. I think that I often I've been told anyway that I reflect patience, but I don't feel that on the inside. So that would be probably the fruit that I wish that I had more of, but I'm definitely not going to pray for that because when you pray for (laughs) patience, you're given many opportunities to be patient. And I, as a teacher, I have plenty of opportunities to be patient um, in the classroom. And so, um, but yeah, I would say gentleness is probably a, one of my one of the ones that I'm, I resonate with the most, and patience the one that I wish that I had more of. Yeah, yeah, two good ones, two yes. good ones. Now talking about Ten Commandments, which one is the hardest for you to be obedient to? Such an interesting question. You know, I think we look at the Ten Commandments and we think of them as very, um, you know, do not steal, do not 
commit adultery, do not murder. Um, and I'm, you think, well, my goodness, those are those are pretty extreme circumstances. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. You know, if I look at it just <laughs> on at face value, those commandments go much deeper and have mm-hmm. a much um, more personal application. And so I would say the one that probably I struggle with the most is um, having no other gods before me. And when I say that, I don't, obviously, it's silly to think about having, you know, these statues, you know, these golden statues. I don't worship other gods in that way, but um, I absolutely have lowercase g gods that tempt me, um, anything that tempts me to put it above the Lord in the priority of my thinking and and, uh, of my heart certainly has the potential to be an idol. And so I just have to be very diligent, very intentional Mm -hmm. to be aware of that in my own life and to pray against that temptation to put other people, other things, my own agenda as an idol before me. Do you have a life first? I do. You know, all along from when I was in high school, I loved the verse Romans eight twenty eight that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose and as I mentioned earlier I have struggled with um, chaotic thinking um, OCD anxiety which can plague my thoughts and um, later in life I I read further on in Romans chapter eight and verses thirty eight and thirty nine really resonated with me. And those are the verses that say, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I've been able to personalize that, taking out some of those examples and and just putting in my own life experiences, for I'm convinced that neither anxiety nor panic, neither, oh, nervousness or inadequacy, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Um, And so I've loved being able to think of it in those terms, personalizing those verses specific to my struggles and that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Such a secure Mm -hmm. verse, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It gives us security in knowing that. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us one of your favorite biblical accounts? So in talking about the the struggles that I've had with anxiety, there came a period in my life where it became evident that I needed more help than just than just talking about my anxiety that I that I may need to seek some professional help more than just counseling, but through a form of medication that would help to make those symptoms better. And I really struggled with that as a faith-filled woman. You know, I felt like I was failing um, the Lord, that if I just prayed harder and I had more faith, that God would just miraculously heal me from these terrible thoughts that I was having and the way that it would make me feel, and that it was a reflection on my weakness and on my lack of focusing on Him. But right about that time, you know, God is so good with his word to bring right to the forefront an answer to what it is that that we're facing. And so right in that time when I was struggling with that, trying to figure out if I should be on medication or should not be on medication, was this not glorifying God? Was, you know, he brought me to John chapter 9 in verses 16 and on. 
Um, this was where Jesus is performing miracles, um, and he performed so many miracles on in his time on, on earth. Um, and sometimes he would speak a miracle by, it would just be a word. He would heal by a word. Sometimes he would touch the person. Sometimes that person would just touch him, you know, the case of the woman who was bleeding. You know, it was just with a touch. But other times, one, this one in particular came to me, and he said, it says, after saying this to a man who was blind, he spit, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the eyes, the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in this pool of Siloam. And he came home seeing. And so to me, um, that account of the miracle of Jesus just really affirmed in my heart that sometimes he does heal with a word or he heals with a touch, but sometimes he uses the things of the earth, the things that he has provided here to help in that healing process. And so I, I guess I, Jesus didn't put mud on my eyes, but he, he opened my eyes to the idea that, that it was okay to rely on some medication to help me through seasons of, of struggle. This is really good stuff, Jenny. We've got to take another break. We'll be right back with the chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat. For the Savior is near. I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out, out of the boat. For the Savior is near. We're back I'm with the chat, out. and we're chatting with Jenny Taylor. And this is great. I'm so enjoying this, Jenny. Thank You're you. a very interesting, loving, and gentle <laughs> person. There are two women in particular that I'd like to ask you to name that are your favorites in Scripture. Can you give us just two? I know we've got a Bible full of them, yes. but just two. Well, I will say that I love the the um, dichotomy, I guess, of Mary and her sister Martha. Um, you know, Mary was that um, wonderfully loving, quiet, gentle spirit that would sit at the feet of Jesus, wash his hair. She would sit and listen and absorb all of who God was, just very quiet, calm. I don't always feel that way. There's also Martha, though, who was busy and anxious about many things and focused on making sure that she was doing everything that pleased the Lord and that she was that the meal was just right. And I identify with that so much in my own life. And I want to be more like Mary. Mm -hmm. Um the thing that I keep coming back to is that Jesus loved both women mm -hmm. where they were. He loved both of them where they were. He loves me as I am. He loves me too much to leave me there, mm -hmm. but he loves me as I am. All as much Martha as I can muster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we can identify. Most of us can, as yeah. women, mm -hmm. identify with both of them. Yes, absolutely. Have you had a mentor? I have been blessed throughout my life to have just been sprinkled with women in every season who um, have encouraged me and who have provided a an example, if you will, of godly living. I can't say that any of them know that they are mentors, you know, but I look back and I can see, you know, my, certainly my mother in my childhood, just the example that she was, my grandmother, I think of. A, a woman who was a Sunday school teacher in my high school years that really kind of mentored me through high school and into college. And then, you know, in every area where I have been that the, in Bible study fellowship, the, the leaders the teaching leaders and some of the group leaders have really, there are people that I can go to that I can text, I can call, and I know that I'm going to get a word from the Lord. I'm going to have someone who's speaking his truth 
over me and over my life. And, um, and so I can't narrow it down to just one because I've been so blessed to have many women um, in my, throughout my life who have shown me what it is to be a godly woman. How fortunate you have Absolutely. been. Yes. I'd like to ask you now, have you mentored anyone <laughs> i don't know not officially i guess i don't know well, that does, i've it doesn't have to be official just have you mentored i mean anyone. i i would like to think that i'm mentoring my children um i would like to think that i've had the opportunity to mentor some students along the way that i um i've been involved in um, some youth programs you know through the church and through emmaus and chrysalis community feel as though i've made connections with young women along the way um, that I've been able to love on them and come alongside them in their journey, whether it's just planting seeds, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that I've seen it all to fruition yet, but yet is the word that I'm going to hang on because um, I'm believing and trusting that the ones that God has called me to pour into that he will um, bring that to completion, um, whether I see it this side of heaven or not. As followers of Christ, we all experience struggles in our mm -hmm. life. And I know that you're not any different than me or anyone else. What have been times of struggle that you've had to deal with in your faith walk? Well, as I've mentioned, um, I really have struggled with crippling anxiety and symptoms of OCD and panic disorder. And that has been a discouragement along the way um, in feeling very broken and inadequate, sometimes even feeling a little fraudulent, you know, in my pursuit of ministering to mm -hmm. others, you know, as a pastor's wife or as a leader in, in Bible study, a small group leader, I feel this pressure of being held to a higher standard. And here I have all of these thoughts that plague me and fears, and, and that has been over time just a very discouraging thing. But again, I go back to God's word and I go back to his, his spirit. And I'm so blessed to have a husband who speaks truth over my life and who keeps me grounded, um, anchors me in God's word and reminds me who I am when I can't quite remember who I am myself. And so God has been very faithful in giving me along the way, you know, just realizations through his word. And so can I share a few of those? You sure can. You? So in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, that tells us about how God knit us together in our mother's womb, that he designed me the way that I am, wired me as I am for his glory, because in Ephesians 2.10, it tells us that we are God's handiwork, that we're created in order to do good works for the Lord works that he's created in advance for us to do. And so I'm wired the way I am because God has a plan and a purpose for me. And so I just have to center my thinking on truth in Philippians 4, 8, that whatever is true and noble and right and pure, I need to think on those things and that the peace of God will, will overcome me, which I'm thankful for. And sometimes in Second um, Chronicles 2012, we do not know what to do, it says, but our eyes are on you. So in those moments when I don't know what to pray, I don't know how to think, I just have to keep my eyes on him and trust that he's going to bring me through. And then in, in, I guess, finality, in Second Corinthians 1, 4, he talks about comforting others with the comfort that we have received. And God has certainly brought meaning to that suffering by bringing into my sphere of influence, my circle, people, young people, 
older people, you know, who are going through those very same struggles, but have never said it out loud. And oftentimes I say out loud what other people are thinking. I don't have, I tend to not have a lot of filter at times. And so I've been able to share these verses and um, these nuggets, I guess I could call them of, of truth with people who are struggling with the same thing. And boy, when someone else gains because of my inadequacies or my failings, that just, that's redemptive work right there. That's, that's how God redeems those struggles in our lives is by giving us opportunities to speak truth into other people's lives, the truth that we've learned because of the things we've struggled with. During these times of struggle, has God brought a song to you or songs to you? Yeah, many, many, many songs. Um, as I said, I love music. Or my family loves music. Um, listen to so many praise songs. But the song that I keep coming back to is sort of a life song. And I should say a ministry life song. My husband and I had it sung at our wedding. It's a spin off of the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness by Sarah Groves called He's Always Been Faithful. And it just speaks the truth of regardless of what I have faced day to day, year to year, circumstance to circumstance, sometimes moment by moment, that God has always been faithful in providing what I need to do what he's called me to do. And you just said that you had this song played at your wedding? Yeah, we did. Wow, how and it cool. it continues to be true of our marriage and of our lives and ministry together. Let's listen to the song, He's Always Been Faithful to Me.
that song says, some of the words are, morning by morning I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's heart in mine. Season by season I watch him amazed in awe of the mystery of his perfect ways. All I have need of, his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. Praise the Lord for those true words. I'd like to give you a couple of minutes, Jenny, Mm -hmm. to talk to the listeners and me as well. I enjoy listening. Will you talk to us about anything that God has laid on your heart? Has he talked to you? about anything he thinks we all need to hear. Yes, I do believe that I feel called to express that each one of us are created uniquely and specifically for he has plans and purposes for each one of our lives. They're good plans. They're perfect plans. And they're plans to make us prosper, um, not to harm us. And I see that playing out in my own life, but I also see it playing out in the lives of other people. Sometimes we think where God has left us or, or allowed difficulty to enter our lives. That is, I believe, because God knows exactly what it takes to draw us close to him, what experiences will bring us into the closest fellowship with him possible. And he knows what circumstances will, will glorify him as others look on to our lives. And we're called to be ambassadors of truth. We're called to be his agents. And so when I was a little girl, I remember making peanut butter cookies with my mom and she would use, I don't know if you remember those metal like sifter things, you know, you'd pour Uh flour in the top and then you'd squeeze, 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 (laughs) squeeze the little handle. Uh And this really powdery, fluffy flour would come out the bottom. You know, I think of our, of our lives sometimes as being like the sifter, you know, where God pours in life sometimes pours in the stuff that we sift through and you know that whole movement of squeezing 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 the handle can be uncomfortable just like some of the experiences that we have are uncomfortable but god brings those things out on the other side refined and useful for his glory and for his kingdom and so i mean that analogy obviously has holes all over it um you know it doesn't work in every circumstance but it certainly is a visual for me and i'm a very visual person. It's very visual for me that I want to be a conduit for the Lord. I want to be a filter. I want my life to filter the truth of who God is out through my experiences and my words, because that's unique to me. Only I can share the message that God has poured into my life and has used those circumstances to shape me to be who I am today for his glory. Thank you for those words. They speak to each of us. Will you pray with us? Absolutely. God, what a joy and privilege it has been to sit with Nida today um, and all of the women or men on the other side of of this radio, um, of this podcast. Lord, you have brought us here with, with a plan, with a purpose in mind. And so um, I thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your word, for your Holy Spirit that grounds and anchors us in a secure knowledge of who you are and what you desire from us. Lord, I pray that you would guard the words that I've spoken, Lord, that nothing that has come out of my mouth would in any way produce harm or 
difficulty, but that it would only bring praise to you and glory and honor to you, Lord, for that is all that we are called to do. We love you, Lord. We praise you and thank you for your son, Jesus, who died in our place so that we could one day live with you and experience that life eternal even beginning now. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming to chat with me today, Jenny. This has been one of those times where, you know, like we all should be all the time, actually, uh, that you have revealed that you have been vulnerable to the way life is for you, another follower of Christ. And so we women relate to that. We can hear the heart of another woman and how you teach us and how you have encouraged us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be here. And we thank you, listeners. I've appreciated your tuning into the chat today. I look forward to future times when we can once again sit and have a chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat for the Savior.